Disney Plus added nearly 12 million subscribers in the recent holiday quarter, an encouraging sign that the Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN bundle is working well. But bundling also brings with it challenges in counting subscribers. Listen on to find out why. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from InScreen Media there at the beginning. Hi, Colin. How's everything? Uh, we are doing great here in California, basking in the California sun. Uh, no rain in sight here, which kind of sucks. But, you know, the benefit is we have absolutely beautiful weather. Going to be in the 70s all through the weekend. So you're watching the Olympics? I have been watching some. Uh, I've been watching the curling at the beginning of the week, and I've been using Peacock. So I signed up for Peacock Premium, and I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. It's so much better than the Olympics last year. They're, they're covering all the events. They have the feed from the TV as well included from NBC's TV coverage, and it's easy to find the sports. It's easy to find the events that you're looking for. So big thumbs up. That's great. I've been watching some as well, and uh, I, I have found the snowboarding to be really captivating, really entertaining. It's really, it's quite something to see the tricks that they're able to do on those boards. It, it is, but uh, my wife and I have been pretty amazed that we we got so much into the curling. It's kind of addictive. <laughs> curling is cool. Yeah, I hear you. It, it I, certainly I don't, is. I don't claim to fully understand how it works, but... But it is cool. It's just like marbles, Will. It's just like marbles. Yeah, and it's slightly safer <laughs> than. Seems like it's slightly safer than skeleton or luge. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin, you got a new white paper out, also. I understand, right? We do have a new white paper. White paper here at End Screen Media. It's on live streaming, and it's uh, sponsored by Yahoo Edgecast. So thanks to them for doing that. And I spend uh, I spend some time looking at some of the new applications, the future of live streaming, and we look at betting, watching together while apart, uh, gamification, personalized live delivery, and uh, revolutionary experiences. And Will, I tell you, I spoke to some really interesting people who are doing metaverse stuff and dealing with AR and VR, and I think the end of the television is in sight. Uh, but uh, I'll leave that to uh, I'll the leave end that of the tel- the end of the television, as in we're not going to watch television anymore. We won't need a TV anymore. So I'll, uh, if you want to find out why, just come to the website and go to my uh, white papers and research section and just pick up a copy of the future of live streaming. And it's free. And uh, let it let me know what you think. OK, I'm going to look forward to that. And. We have a couple of news stories we want to cover this week first, and then we're going to get into the Disney Plus numbers because Disney reported results this week, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about there. So what was a news item on your on your radar this week, Hal? Well, uh, the, the, the Digital Entertainment Group, um, I think we've spoken about this data before, they, they produce data focused on home entertainment spending on a quarterly basis, and they released their final data for Q4 of 2021. And it's very interesting, Will, uh, the readers can go and pick up a free copy of that data directly from the DEG online website. 
But basically, we were, we were. I think everybody was expecting home entertainment spending to decline in 2021 after we spent so much adding SVOD services and paying for premium VOD and all of that in 2020. Uh, and that happened, but with one notable exception, according to DG, DG said that SVOD spending still increased 20% in 2021 to reach about 25 just over 25 billion dollars it was not the same for digital rentals and sales both of those fell about 19 percent physical disc business well that's becoming a footnote these days uh, down also down 20 percent for sales and 19 percent for rentals so uh, pretty bleak mostly for home entertainment spending in 2021, but not for SVOD continuing to grow. SVOD continues to grow, right? And on the other end of the spectrum from SVOD in the free AVOD space, uh, I was interested this week to see that um, in the kids space on YouTube, um, some of our listeners may know Moonbug Entertainment, which actually was acquired itself by... um, Candle Media, which is formed by two former senior executives at Disney, uh, Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs, acquired Moonbug for almost $3 billion last fall, uh, made a big acquisition, announced a big acquisition this week of the Little Angel Network, which is another really big YouTube kids network that has, um, I think, close to 90 million subscribers, actually. These are global properties. Uh, and it, they really, I think the acquisition underscores how much money is floating, not just in the YouTube ecosystem, which we, we talked about last week on last week's podcast, but in kids specifically. And we know that YouTube itself is very much focused on its YouTube kids app. And these are supposed to be brand safe, um, kid safe areas. And they are, you know, really catchy um, cartoon segments that are learning. A lot of them are learning educational oriented. And I just, you know, I continue to be interested not only in YouTube itself, but in the kids space. It really, it seems like it's a space that's really on fire right now. Yeah, yeah. And Will, uh, I tell you, the, the area of kids on YouTube is so hot. It's just crazy. So it doesn't surprise me at all that, that that's happening. And yeah, I mean, I did a survey last year and of, of parents and I was really shocked that in that survey it came back that parents basically let their kids, most many, many parents let their kids watch YouTube pretty much unsupervised. Uh, so it's YouTube a very, kids it's unsupervised. YouTube. YouTube itself. Will. Yes, YouTube as well. I'm definitely YouTube kids. I was pretty shocked, you know. So it's it's huge. It's become a great resource for parents that they're really using. So if you're an advertiser, I guess this is one of the reasons why they why this has become such an active space. It's one of the best ways to reach kids and have them influence their parents' spending. So uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Well, let's flip back. We've gone from SVOD to AVOD. Now we're going to go back to SVOD because we want to talk about Disney Plus. And you've done a pretty extensive analysis of their new numbers, which you are going to share. I am. I'll I'll give you the top top line, Will. 
Uh, top line is that Disney had a pretty good year last year with direct to, with their direct to consumer businesses. Um, so let's talk about Disney Plus first for the year. It gained 35 million subscribers uh, across across the world, uh, and that's uh, that's a 37 percent increase. Uh, they also gained 10 percent just in the last quarter of 2020. One, that's the last calendar quarter of 2021. Uh, and I should say it's a bit confusing because Disney uses financial years. So fiscal when they're years. talking fiscal, fiscal years. years, yes, sorry. Uh, so when they're talking about their 22 first quarter results, it's actually the last quarter in 2021, a calendar quarter in 2021. So anyway, very good year for Disney Plus. And I'll loop back on Disney Plus in just a second will because they gave us more detail which is really good and I want to touch on that. Hulu Esfeld also had a pretty good year up 5.5 million on the year that's about 16%. Um, Even Hulu Live picked up uh, a few more subscribers and they're actually back to just above where they were uh, just over a year ago. They've got 4.3 million now which is uh, pretty good. And uh, that means for Hulu is a total up 15% uh, at 45.3 million. And even ESPN Plus, which has been doing really, really well, uh, is is has had a great increase year over year increase. Listen to this. 76% will to 21.3 million. Uh, they were just 12.1 million in 2020 at the end of 2020 uh at the end of 2020 that's right so good results all round for the dtc dtc businesses they're all growing now i mentioned disney plus they did finally break out some details so they gave us us and canada and separated that out from the data for disney plus and boy it looks awfully good 18% year over year increase to uh, 42.9 million paying subscribers they have now in the US and Canada. That's an increase of about 6, 6.7. So uh, that means that, uh, you know, 42.9 are a million of those uh, 129, 130 million subscribers are in the US market. Um, but that also means that Disney Plus is doing awfully good outside of the US in in lots of the other markets that they're in. And they talked a lot about that in the earnings uh, earnings forecast. There was a lot of talk, for example, about India, uh, which is growing, continues to grow very strongly for them. Um, So as to how much money they're earning, well, actually, DDC looks pretty, pretty like a pretty decent business. Um, They say they earn 4.69, 4.7 billion in the last quarter of 2021 um that's up from let's see back in the that's up from 3.5 billion back in 2020 q4 at the last quarter Uh, so that's that's pretty good growth and arpu is doing better with one one exception that's um, the average revenue per unit generated by Disney Plus was up on the year 9% to $4.41. Hulu 
was the only one actually that was down. It was down a little um, at $12.96, $12.96 uh, a month. Uh, and ESPN was also up 15% uh, at $5.16. So they actually talked a little bit about why Hulu went down. And it turns out it's all advertising. Apparently, advertising came in lower than they were expecting. They sold they sold less less advertising than they were expecting. Although they continue to be extremely bullish on the business, and I, I guess there's probably no reason not to be right. It, it, we know it's it's a, a growing business, um, but so I was a little bit surprised about that. A little bit surprised at them losing on advertising. Although I got a feeling that it actually may be something else that's at the root but i'll we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that in just a second but i'll pause a second here so what do you think will it sounds like a good quarter yeah. good quarter and a good year right yeah i mean it sounds a whole lot better than the prior quarter when i think they only added a million or two million subscribers globally and there was a lot of talk about whether um the business had matured and you know, they specifically talked about new content coming out, which they thought was going to reignite their growth. So I, I guess a question for you, Colin, is I know you listened to them on the earnings um, uh, call. What were they saying that they attributed the the renewed growth in, in Disney Plus to? Is it all about the I bundle? I think the or? bundle is is being extremely helpful. And they're using bundles now, not just in yeah. the U.S. market. So, of course, we have... Um, the Disney bundle, which includes Hulu, ESPN, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus, and it's a it's such a great deal. Will you can if you wanted Hulu and ESPN, uh, excuse me, Hulu and Disney Plus, subscribing to the bundle, you actually save a dollar. So you save a dollar and you get ESPN Plus for free. And if you wanted Hulu and ESPN Plus. It's the same price and you get Disney Plus for free. So it really right. is a great deal. Right. And they're doing the same thing in in the rest of the world So for, with, with um, Hotstar. So, for example, in Brazil, um, it's cheaper to subscribe, considerably cheaper to subscribe to Hotstar and Disney Plus in a bundle than to subscribe to the two services separately. Um, so yeah, bundling I think is having a big impact. Um, but there's a the, the sting in the tail here is that bundling also reduces the average revenue per unit for each of the services because right. well we have no idea how Disney is allocating the revenue from the bundle to the three services, uh, but that's clearly having an impact. And I actually think that that might be one of the reasons why. Hulu's ARPU actually fell because a lot of people are going, man, I like this deal. And they're switching to the bundle and Hulu therefore is getting allocated a lower amount of revenue than they would have been allocated for that subscriber if um, if they subscribe directly. So I think that could be one of the things that's going on there. Yeah, and it sounds that way. And also, I'm curious if they talked about content at all on the earnings call, because wasn't that that was a big theme in yeah. the prior quarter that they said new content yeah. was coming in? Well, yes, it was. Um, Christine McCarthy, who's the CFO, did talk about it quite a lot. And 
The interesting thing there is that the the company says that they're spending thirty three billion this year. Thirty three billion dollars, hmm. Will, on content. Well, that includes all but the sports. It does, right? and that, that was the interesting thing. Rights, what yeah. she what yeah. she said was yeah. that a third of that goes for sports rights. So you know that's that they're bidding on IPL in India and and various other sports uh, for inside ESPN um, in in the US. So yes, uh, but but that also that thirty three billion is actually spread out across all three services. So it's not just for Disney Plus. The remainder is not just for Disney Plus. That also is for Hulu original content. Um, so that is a obviously a huge amount of money that they're spending. Um, so, yeah, we should expect to see a lot more content coming into the service. And in fact, uh, Bob Chapek, Chapek, who's the CEO, he sort of thinly, there was a thin, thinly veiled nod to the fact that there was a lot more content coming in because he said that because of that content, he felt like that would give them more room to raise prices. He didn't quite say it exactly in that way, but... He, you know, he implied that because there's going to be a much stronger flow, there was, there, you know, they're already at um, a release a week in the service, and they want to, they want to do more. That will give them the flexibility now to actually raise prices a little bit more because they've got more con- content coming in, and I, that's definitely, that's definitely got to be a priority for them because they need to transition Disney Plus to being a service that you come into every day not just once a week when you want to watch, watch a movie or watch the latest episode of Loki or whatever it is that they're, that they're pushing that week. It's got to be a weekly service, a daily service in the same way that, that Netflix is a destination service for many people on a daily basis. Fair enough. So, Colin, anything else from the Disney uh, numbers? Anything on the subscriber counts specifically in the services or anything else? Yeah, yeah. There was. I, I want to talk a little bit about the way Disney recommend, re- recognizes its subs- subscriber numbers. And this is actually just that this is a broader discussion uh, in the industry. Remember, we're being Disney is telling us how many subscribers they have. We don't get an independent verification of that. And we don't know for sure how they're adding things up. So one thing we do know for sure, for example is that if you buy the Disney bundle of Disney Plus, Hulu, Basic, and ESPN Plus, Disney takes that one subscription and adds one subscription to ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu. So they count that three times. So that's one issue. Um, so you may never ever buying the but you, you can buy the bundle, save money, but you may never ever open ESPN Plus. But it's counted as an ESPN subscription. So that's one thing. And the other... Th- well, pause there for a second. Pause there for a second. I mean, it's counted there because they're attributing some of the revenue of the bundle to that service. So whether or not the user, the subscriber actually uses it, they're, they're attributing revenue to it. So it's just divided proportionally or something, I assume, right? Yes, I understand the rhyme and reason behind it. But when we're comparing subscriber numbers okay. as a as a mechanism to understand growth of a of an SVOD yeah. service, yeah. that really means that that an SVOD subscriber to ESPN Plus 
it's not quite the same as somebody that subscribes to Netflix because there is no bundle for right. Netflix. You subscribe to Netflix because you want it. Even if you end up not using it, you're still paying for Netflix. And that's not the case in a bundle like that. And, and the other thing is, there really isn't any visibility, as I say, on it, how Disney is recognizing subscribers. So, for example, they made a decision in Q4, um, I should say calendar Q4, that they were going to give ESPN Plus and Disney Plus subscri subscriptions to everybody that is signed up for Hulu Live, those 4.3 million people that are signed up for Hulu Live. So the, my question is, well, okay, so how are they recognizing those subscribers? So if they're using the same method as they use with the bundle, then they're going to allocate a small amount of subscription from Hulu that it was accompanied by a $5 increase. So maybe they'll allocate that among Disney Plus and, uh, and DSPN Plus. But how they recognize those is, is a big question. And my bet is that they just added 4.3 million to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. And if they did that, then the yearly gain for, e for Disney Plus looks a lot less attractive, right? It was 6.6 .6 million in the US. But if you take out those 4.3 million, it's only 2.2, 2.3. Right. So it looks a lot, lot less, uh, less great performance than it does right now. So anyway, we don't have visibility on this. I'm not saying that Disney's being dishonest by doing this. Right. I'm just saying that we need to really understand, particularly as, as we're all judging the performance of these services based on the subscriber numbers, we need better visibility on how they're counting to really be able to, to state that this service is doing as well as it appears to appears to be from the subscriber numbers. Yeah, interesting. Um, and we, of course, we don't know anything <coughs> about those subscribers to the bundle, which service they specifically subscribed to get access to and which ones, no. as you say, they may not be watching at all, accessing at all, even creating it. No. Yeah. So, um, so that's a good under the hood thought there, Colin, um, a good observation. And, uh, I don't know, maybe they'll announce that they'll release them. They hadn't released the U S and Canada numbers until this quarter. Maybe they'll release that number as well. Um, you know, or some sense of, or maybe we'll see some yeah. research in the market about why people are subscribing to the bundle. I would yeah, think Disney and, Plus. I would think Disney Plus and maybe Hulu afterwards. What do you think? Yeah, and I think I, I, what I'd like to start, them, start seeing them do is to start talking about the bundle um, more specifically, how many people are subscribed to the bundle. Yeah. Um, and, that, you know, they can if they want to, I guess they can continue to allocate as they are but just tell us how the bundle is doing. And in my mind, it's sort of like, remember, you know, when cable always used to talk about single play, double play and triple play subscribers. This is sort of analogous to that, right? One of, the, one of the reasons they're doing the bundle is, yes, you get a little bit less revenue, but what you end up with is lower churn yeah. and longer customized customer lifetime value. So you sort of make it up because those customers that are in the bundle are much less like, likely to cancel they'll stay with you longer so you make more money off them uh, over the long term so th there's every reason to do the the bundle like this um, but it just makes it really hard to 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 judge the specific success of each of the constituent services so you know 
It's a, it's challenging. Fair point. Good analysis. And I think we're going to have to leave it at that for today because we are about out of time. Very good. Well, well, uh, are you going to be watching the, the Super Bowl this weekend? Are you oh. going to be streaming the Super Bowl this weekend? I'll be streaming. I'm going to try it on Peacock. But I'll probably watch it on NBC Live. Um, and looking forward to the game. Yeah, yeah. I'll be doing my usual watching it on mobile, watching it on broadcast i'll probably stream it on peacock as well just to see how all of the streams yeah. are doing and uh hey who do you like for the who do you like for the win i have no no what do they call no dog in this race no horse in this race so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy the game how about you yeah yeah i kind of kind of like cincinnati we'll see we'll see yeah. how that works out but um the rams they look pretty good too but yeah. it should be a good game Okay, Colin, well, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening in, and we will catch you on next week's episode of Inside the Stream. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.